This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Every week we take a couple of questions. Um, I think Matt picks them, tries to stump me to ask questions. I, I can answer any question. It might be I don't know, but I can answer questions. So let's see what the first one is. I don't know why I have so many unanswered prayers and it makes me question my faith. How do I maintain my faith? Well, I can, well, I can, I can feel for you there. And I, I, think, the, I think the thing to, to begin to understand is if I'm not getting answered prayers, and I don't want this to be hard, but if I'm not getting answered prayers, it's not God's fault. And so I need to make an adjustment on my end. In 1 John, he said, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hear us, hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desire of him. James talks about when you ask for wisdom, he said, let him ask in faith with no doubting, except for he who doubts won't receive anything from the Lord. Didn't mean the Lord didn't give it. It often means that the challenge is on the receiving end. And I found in my own life, and I can, I can certainly empathize with this individual, I found in my own life that the challenge has been on the, on the receiving end. Sometimes we're asking things that are just not even in the, in the plan and scope of, of God's will. Sometimes we really just don't have it in my heart. We don't even know whether he's going to answer it or not. And so one of the best things we can do is say, Father, how can I become a better receiver? Because I know you answer prayer. And I know you're not a respecter of persons. That means you don't, have, you don't play favorites. So I need to be able to, to ask with confidence, knowing it's in your will, knowing it's in your plan, and then believe I receive an answer. Jesus said that in Mark eleven twenty four. He said, all things, whatever you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. I found in my own life, a lot of times, I prayed maybe hoping they would come to pass. It's a whole different story when I pray and say, Father, I believe I receive that answer before I ever see it. So we want to work on the receiving end. And you know the Lord's merciful. He'll help you. And he'll help you, show you maybe where you're, you're asking in the wrong area or not really believing that God would hear you and answer you. So don't give up. You, you stay in there, but just believe that God can help you get to the place where you're going to have answered prayer. First prayer you want to get answered is in James. It said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. So that's, that's the first one. You want to ask for that right there. Lord, give me wisdom so that I can, I can pray in the right direction and receive answers. So don't give up. Don't, uh, don't quit. This is, listen, this is... That's, that's half the Christian life right there. Just not quitting. You stay in there, and God will help you. Good question. Second one. Come from a Catholic background, find it hard to differentiate between what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not. How do I get answers to simple questions like, do I pray the rosary, or do I get my kids baptized? You know, I, I, can, I can appreciate that. I, Joy comes from a Catholic background, and her... Uh, her mom, her whole family came from a Catholic background. I came from a Baptist background. And so we, um, obviously we had different cultural things in there. But I think the, uh, the answer to do I pray the rosary, do I get my kids baptized, you wanna to begin to look in the scriptures for if you see any kind of pattern of that. If you see any kind of pattern of, of praying a rosary, and, and I don't, again, I don't mean to 
be disparaging of, of what you've grown up or maybe what you know. But, but Jesus talked about praying, and he never mentioned praying any way other than praying to the Father in his name. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. And so as opposed to, say, praying a rosary or doing a, more of a rote prayer, now you can, you can pray like the Lord's Prayer. You, you can pray those prayers. But you want to take it to the place where you're fellowshipping with the Lord and your relationship with him is based, it is a fellowship thing. And so you can, you can set the rosary down for a bit and just talk to him and, and express your heart to him. When you see the Psalms, when you read the Psalms, you hear David express his heart. And that's one of the things, one of the ways you want to get to a place in prayer is where you have fellowship with him. First John says that our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. And so the, this, this fellowship is where we get a lot of the joy out of our Christian life. Now, I'm giving you an answer that's, that's very, very broad in some things that you have specifics for. But you want to get to a place where they teach you the Bible. And the more you begin to find out about what the scriptures say, it's going to answer a lot of those questions for you. We baptize children here, but typically we baptize them when they are old enough to make a, cognate, a conscious decision that they have made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. We dedicate them when they're babies. So we dedicate them to the Lord. And then we, when they make a decision, then we, allow, then we allow them to be baptized because baptism is a type of being buried with him in death and being raised with him to a newness of life. And so it, it paints a picture and we want them to be able to understand what's going on. Great question. Thank you for watching. We have, uh, we've been doing a, a series called Improving Your Perspective. And we've been talking about different mindsets. And I think sometimes the question is, Alan, why would, it, why would I even need a different mindset? Why would, it, why would it matter? Why would it, you know, I'm just, you know, hey, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to live a life. I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, you know, be a good Christian. I'm trying to survive all this junk that's going on. I'm just I'm trying to make it. I, I've got a family. I, I, and, and we can get so caught up in survival. And here I am talking about a, an athlete's mindset. I'm talking about a soldier's mindset. I've been talking about a farmer's mindset. You might be looking at me going, Why? Well, I think that the idea is, what's the end goal? Is the end goal, what's God's purpose for your life? And if you realize that, you're, that God's purpose for your life is so much bigger than simply having a family, surviving, you know, going to church, but God wants a relationship with you, and he wants you to live a life that, that honors him, and that you walk worthy of him, that you grow in the knowledge of him, the more we realize that God really has a purpose for our life, the more it makes us think, okay, so I want my end goal. I want to be able to stand before God and say that I, I did everything he called me to do. And whether you've recognized it, whether you know it or not, God has a calling on your life. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. Not, not just preachers are called. All of us are called. And all of us are called with a purpose. We're called to glorify God. We're called to, to walk worthy of him. We're called to advance his kingdom in the earth. It, it's a bigger purpose. And if that just seems a little overwhelming to you, don't, don't let it be. Because when the purpose is bigger, 
it makes a lot of the stuff that we go through in life a whole lot better. I used to say when I was going on vacation that I could get a lot of stuff done that week because my purpose was I wanted to go on vacation. Well, if we think about, hey, we, we want to be able to stand before God and say we fulfilled everything he called us to do. That's a big purpose, and that helps us keep some of the little stuff that we deal with in life, helps to keep it in perspective. So we talked about an athlete, we talked about a soldier, we, we talked last week about a farmer, a farmer mindset. Paul said the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of his crops. So it, it talked about a hardworking. We said a farmer's mindset is they work hard, good farms don't happen by themselves, that if, if you're a farmer, you know, man, you, you gotta be doing something all the time and learning from the ant and the lazy person. So we talked a little bit about that last week. I won't go into that, but uh, the scriptures tell us, learn from the ant, ant's a self-starter, ant does everything that needs to do. A lazy person has a lot of things that, 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 that's valuable in their life, but they haven't taken care of them. And so you can learn, you can learn from the good, you can learn from the bad, learn from the ant, learn from the lazy. So one of the things we talked about with the farmer is the farmers live and die. They, be, they believe in the seed. We're talking about especially farmers, not ranchers per se, but farmers who grow crops. They believe in the seed. And so if we're going to have a farmer's mindset, we really need to think seed and think seed principle. Before I go any further, for those of you wondering what the cup is for tonight, it says stand tall and be sweet. No idea where some of these cups are coming from. If you'd like to send me some mugs that would be better, I'd be glad to feature them here. But uh, stand tall and, and be sweet. Anyway, I digress. We're going, but let's go back. Let's go back to uh, believing the seed. Sowing and reaping is a God-ordained principle. It's a law that's in the earth. We saw last week where in Genesis, God established, he says, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be sowing and reaping. Galatians 6 is the, a verse we've been looking at for a period of time. It said, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we talked about sowing and reaping as a God-ordained principle. We'll come back to this a little bit. One, you don't have to understand how sowing and reaping works to have it work for you. And that's something that'll help you. I think sometimes we, 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 we look at things and we go, I, I don't get that. So it must not be true. No, it, it's true. And there's, there's a lot of things that we may not understand, but they work. And these are laws and principles that are in the earth. In fact, Jesus even addressed this. So we're talking about the seed in Mark 4. Look at what Jesus said. He said, in the kingdom of God is this, if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, he himself does not know how. But the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, if you think about it, Jesus is not teaching agricultural here, but he's talking about how the kingdom of God works. He said, you don't even understand this principles. But a farmer, a farmer may not understand how it works, but he recognizes that, he do, that it does work, and so he keeps sowing the seed. He doesn't sit there with a bag of seed and go, you know, I don't, I don't get this. I don't understand how it works, so I'm not going to sow seed. No, no. 
Listen, whether you understand it or not, the principle works. It's, it's a God-ordained principle. And you say, well, it sounds old. You know, this sowing and reaping stuff, we live in a modern age. Spiritual things don't age. Spiritual things are eternal. Spiritual things are a higher law. And so sowing and reaping is still operating in the earth. It still works. So whether, whether we know how it works, here's another thing we need to recognize. Recognize that it takes time. So the farmer, so he scatters seed and he sleeps and he, and he rises night and day. Listen, the seed principle and, and understanding the seed principle, we know this. It takes time. No one plants a seed and then steps back. Says, step back. We just planted that seed. Clear. No, no. You plant a seed and you recognize it's going to take some time for it to grow. So it's a process. I think farmers probably understand patience more. You just don't plant a seed today and reap a harvest tomorrow, but when, when the harvest is, when it's the right time, you allow for growth. So here's another seed principle. Don't have to understand how it works to have it work for you. How and I don't understand how I can plant financial seeds and reap a, a financial harvest. Do you understand that? No, I don't understand that. I just know it works. I know God gives seed to the sower and he multiplies the seed sown. And I know it works. So it's, it's uh, I don't have to figure it all out. I think sometimes we try to figure it all out. And we're not, all, we're not always going to figure it out. Sometimes we have to go, Lord, if you say that's how it works, that's how it works. Here's the, here's the next thing about seeds. We believe the seed. Seeds are powerful. This is Mark 4. Jesus is still talking about seeds. This whole chapter, he's really talking about seeds. He said in Mark 4, the kingdom of God, I'm sorry, verse 30. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? What parable shall we picture it? It's like a mustard seed. When it's sown on the ground, it's smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Now, Again, he's talking about that seeds are powerful. Tiny seeds can produce big plants. Now, that is a miracle. Really, if you stop and think about it, that's so cool. God set this up. I know some of you believe that this earth evolved, but come on. God is more than brilliant, and he, he set this up. And he, he set this up so you can have a little tiny seed, and you plant it in the ground, and it can become huge. Now, when, when I think, I, don't, I never have planted mustard seeds, but we used to have a big oak tree out in my backyard. And you could take an, an acorn, or an acorn, like my grandma used to call it, an acorn. So hit him with an acorn. But you take an acorn, and they're not, that, they're not that big and fit in the palm of your hand. And yet a huge, giant tree can grow in that. So seeds are small, but they're powerful. Now that's a good thought to think when I give you the idea that words are seeds, finances are seeds, actions are seeds. Because sometimes we, under, we underestimate a seed. Like, oh, uh, that's a small thing. I was thinking it was a seed that actually caused us to be born again. Look at this in First Peter. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. If you stop and think about it, you, me, we all heard something. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by God's word. But we heard God's word. And when we heard God's word, you might have heard one verse. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You may have heard one verse. And you say, I, I believe in him. I, I want Jesus to be my Lord. Maybe you didn't even know 
but you knew just a little. You didn't know enough to even hardly ask him to be your Lord. You just believed that he's real. You got one little seed, and that one little seed caused you to be born again. Peter said we're born again, not of corruptible seed. In other words, not of seed that can decay, but of incorruptible seed by God's word. It lives and abides forever. It, it impacted our heart, and it caused a change in us. So that, this is one reason that we... We do these online services. This is one reason that we have church. is so that we can share God's word, God's seed. Because it can get in your life. It can cause someone to be born again, to go from death to life, spiritual life. To change and become a new creation in Christ. One little seed. Well, think about it. God planted Jesus, one seed. And from that one seed, the harvest of billions of people who've made him the Lord of their life. One seed. And all this harvest that came from one. Don't underestimate the power of a seed. Here's the last one on believing the seed principle. Seeds produce after their kind. This is a Genesis thing. Look at first chapter of Genesis. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit that, tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Now here's just a very basic seed principle. Seeds produce after their kind. You don't have, I used to, we used to have a garden, don't have one anymore. Uh, one of the things we did like to plant though was corn. Fresh corn is really, really good. And so we, we would plant corn, but you know, we, we'd have a row and, and Someone would say, well, what have you got planted in that row? You say, well, I got corn there, and then where that steak is there, we've got some tomatoes, and right here we have cucumbers. You know, we never planted corn seeds, and then went out there and went, wow. You know, we planted corn seeds, and we've got watermelons. Doesn't work that way. Corn produces corn. Corn seed produces corn. Tomatoes produce tomatoes. Watermelons produce watermelons. Dogs produce dogs. Cats produce cats. People produce people after their kind. So every seed produces after its own kind. That's good to remember. Remember in Galatians where it said, God's not mocked whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Seeds produce after the kind. So let's talk about what kind of seeds do we sow. One of the, the first thing that comes to mind is financial seeds. 2 Corinthians 9, one of my favorite chapters, says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Financial seeds. How we sow determines how we reap. He said we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. Now, I don't have time to go into it tonight, but it's, it's not, we say, well, I'm, I'm not a wealthy person, so I can't, I can't sow bountifully. Here's the good thing with God. He looks at what, what you have, not what you don't have. If you've, all you've got to your name is $100, and you sow 50 of it, say an offering, you're like, yeah, I, I just want to sow $50 of that. That's, that's in, God's, in God's eyes, you have just sown bountifully. So don't wait and think, well, I'm going to have to be rich before I can ever sow bountifully. It's, it's in proportion to what we, what we have, and that's a whole other message, but that's good news. And so sowing financial seeds is simply different from giving money away. 
just giving money away or I gave to the church, I sowed seed. Years ago, Joy and I were, um, we were in North Carolina. I can't believe it. We were in North Carolina, and we were uh, not good shape financially. Um, <clears throat> I was having to work at a job that just, it, it really wasn't paying the bills, and, and, and Joy, she was working a, a part-time job, and it, things were really, really tight. And we wanted to, uh, we wanted to be able to move. We didn't have the money to move. We wanted to come back to Texas. And Joyce had some inheritance. One of, the, one of her many Italian relatives uh, passed away, and, and we received a check for $5,000 in the mail. Now, we're talking 1989. And I don't sneeze $5,000 today, much less than 1989. It's like we won the lottery. We were so pumped. And, and so we were... Uh, I was already spending that money, man. I'm, I'm thinking about all the stuff we needed. And I think we needed a car. We needed a bunch of stuff. And I'm, I'm at my desk. The kids were in bed. Matt was little. Matt was six, I think. Christine was around three. And we were, I was in bed one, everyone was in bed one night. And I'm up late and I'm praying at, at my desk. And our television had broken. And we didn't have enough money to even get another one. And it was a real watershed moment for us because my prayer life just got really good because I couldn't watch television. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm praying and an impression came on my heart. It was so strong to give $2,500 to a, a couple that we knew that were in Botswana. They were a missionary couple. And I'm like, oh, that's a crazy thought. That's the devil. Get behind me, devil. And I kind of pushed it, out, pushed it out of the way, started praying again, and here it came again. I'm like, oh, no. This could be the Lord. I said, well, Lord, if it is you, tell joy. And uh, I remember the next day I told her, I said, I think the Lord wants us to give an offering out of that 5,000 that came in. She said, how much? <laughs> you should have seen the look on her face. She's like, how much? And uh, I said, I'm not going to tell you. You pray about it. She's like, okay. So she prayed about it. She came back to me about a day or so later. She said, I have $2,500. I'm like, oh, so do I. So we're both like, you know, we're, God loves a cheerful giver. We had, to, we had to adjust to that, right? So we were, we were thinking, man, that's, that's, that's like... This was, the, this was get out of town money. This was freedom money. But we recognized that it was the Lord prompting us. And on the very last day of the year, 1989, we, we wrote a check. And I remember when I put the, the envelope in the mail, this joy just hit my spirit. I, I, can't, I, just, I knew we had done what we should have done. I knew we had done that. I knew we planted a seed. And when we, Joy and I talked about, we were just rejoicing. And it was four or five months later, and another deal came through out, you know, this is where we say out of nowhere. I don't believe it's out of nowhere. I believe God orchestrated it. He orchestrated this one deal. All of a sudden, Joy and I had the money to move. We had the money to move back to Texas. And not just move back to Texas, 
but also put down the down payment on buying our own house and still have enough left that we could, that we could make it. And, and it, it got tight again because I was on straight commission in, in sales. But God opened a door that was huge. And, and I think it was over $12,000 came into us. Now, again, we're talking 1989. I don't, again, if you, if you wanted to give me 12000 today, I will take it and smile at you. That's still a blessing. But in 1989, when you've got like nothing, it was, it was huge. And it blessed us so much. But we, we believe it was just a function of we planted a quality seed. Sometimes God will impress on your heart to plant a seed. You're thinking, Lord, I, I need this. Or I, you know, we've got things going on. I need this. But it said if we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. In planting financial seeds, Joy and I have done this all of our married life. And not always to that extent, but we've always thought about planting seeds and, and looking at offerings, not as, as, well, we're giving this money away. We're planting seeds. So we tithe, and then we give offerings on the top of that. So financial seeds... Next week, I'll talk about what I call spiritual or flesh seeds. And then, and then there's one more seeds that are really important that we hit. So we'll, we'll wrap up the seed part next week. I want just to end it tonight on the, um, on the financial seeds. You know, if you're, if you're watching me tonight and you're thinking, I, I, don't, I, I don't know about all that. I don't even really know where I am with God. Well, that can change. We're going to pray a prayer. And if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, this is the time to do it. Or if you're not sure if you've done that, this is the time to confirm that. Or maybe you're like I was. I did that, and I got away from God. But you don't have to stay there. And you can, you can come back. Life is so much better when you're in fellowship with him. So we want to give you a chance to do that. If you're by yourself, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're by yourself, you can pray this out loud. If you're with a lot of other people, pray quietly. But pray this prayer. It's an, it's an important prayer. And um, I'll tell you something. You, you, you plant a seed that is marvelous. This little prayer can make such a huge difference in your life. So let's pray that prayer together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past forgiven I have a relationship with you I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you Father I'm so grateful for those who prayed that prayer for those who've come to you for the very first time and for those who've come back I thank you for their lives I thank you for the wonderful plan that you have for them Father, for the rest who are watching, simply because they want to learn, simply because they want to grow, thank you for taking these truths and making them even more real in their lives. Give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.